Good morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I like to think that St. Luke and I are pretty similar people. I'm the kind of person that when I get excited about something, I have to tell everyone about it. I just can't hold that sort of thing in. There's part of me that wants to share that excitement with someone else and maybe even give them that experience of whatever it is as well. Luke was a Greek convert to Christianity, which means he wasn't raised Jewish. He's the author of the Gospel of St. Luke, but he's also the author of the fifth book of the New Testament, the Acts of the Apostles. And there's so much in both of these books that makes Luke important for us this morning. Luke's Gospel is the longest of the four Gospels and includes more stories than all of the other Gospels. Most notably, he gives us the story of Christmas. So we wouldn't have things like the nativity scene if it wasn't for St. Luke. Both of these books, the Gospel of Luke and Acts, are addressed to someone named Theophilus. And the problem is, we have no idea who Theophilus is. Now there's a lot of speculation. He could be a good friend of Luke, maybe even another Greek convert since Theophilus is a Greek name. Another theory is that Theophilus was the Jewish high priest because the way Luke addresses him in the gospel is how you address the high priest. Luke calls him most excellent Theophilus, similar to how the bishop is formally called your excellency. And then a third theory is that Theophilus is a term that Luke uses for generally speaking about the Christian community. Now, I don't buy that last argument. And part of me really wants the second idea that it's the high priest to be the right answer. I like to imagine Luke as the sort of person who is so excited about Jesus and about telling the good news, that he's writing these letters to the Jewish high priest trying to convert him, and is probably just ending up annoying him in the end, which is probably how most people get with me when I get excited about something and want to tell them about it. So maybe Luke and I would get along. Either way, the story we get in the gospel today is one that only St. Luke records for us. Jesus is sending the disciples out as missionaries to preach the good news. And he's telling them that essentially they are not to prepare any sort of argument or program that they can give to people. Instead, Christ just wants the disciples to go out and to share with other people why they're happy, why they're joyful, why they are excited. Now, there's some discrepancy here as to what exactly Luke wrote. Some copies of the gospel say that Jesus appointed 70 disciples. Other copies say that there were 72 disciples, but both numbers have symbolic possibilities. Either interpretation refers in some way to preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, that is to the non-Jews. So Jesus is appointing these Jewish disciples to go out into the world to the non-Jews and to give them the gospel. And if you think about it that way, it makes sense why Christ is telling them to not to prepare any sort of argument. When you're speaking with non-believers, or to people who don't already have a strong faith life, you aren't going to win them over to Christ by making all sorts of complicated arguments for them. What wins people for Christ is the experience of love. It's the experience of seeing someone else happy, someone else taking an interest in you, and then wanting to have that same love and joy that that person has. So Luke is giving us a model for evangelization. Evangelization is the making known of a love, particularly here, a love for Jesus Christ. 
and perhaps even more important, the love that Jesus Christ has for each of us. And we don't have to complicate how that's done. Right? Already some of you do that sort of thing. I enjoy going through Instagram stories, and sometimes, for instance, I'll see that one of you have reposted something from your church or your church's youth group. That little act is sharing the love of Christ with people when they go through your story. When I was in Greenville, I remember seeing a student show up for football practice with a t-shirt that said, I love my church, and you would too. I think I'm going to steal that idea for St. Mary's because I've been wanting to get us t-shirts here. Here's another example of what I mean. This past weekend, I went to my first LSU football game, and anyone who knows me knows that when I go to public events like that, I always wear my cassock, which you can't see, but it's, it's under my alb right now, the black robe that you see me walking around in. And now, you know, I could dress incognito, try to act like a normal person, and unless you knew me, you wouldn't know that I'm a priest, right? I could try to blend in. But when you're surrounded by so many people, my decision to dress like a priest is going to get people to look at me. Now, the point isn't to get people to look at me, right? Because I really don't want that attention. Because trust me, that 95% of the people who are seeing me, especially at a place like LSU for a football game, are going to think I'm crazy for wearing that sort of thing in public. But the 5% of people who don't, right, might for a moment think about who I am, realize I'm a priest, and then maybe in God's providence will think about their own place in relation to God because of it. And that's exactly what I experienced Saturday night. So as I'm leaving the stadium, I had about a 20-minute walk back to my friend's rectory. He's the priest at LSU. He lives right off campus on the other side of campus, and I still have blisters on my feet from making that walk. Um, I parked my car there so I could try to avoid traffic. And in all honesty, I was in a bit of a rush because I'm an introvert and I was pretty tired about being around people. So I'm walking fast and I'm just ready to get to my car. And as I'm walking back, a student saw me. He asked if I was a priest and I didn't know this guy. And honestly, I really should have introduced myself and asked his name, but I didn't. Um, but either way, I, I told him I was a priest and he said, so you're like a real priest. And I laughed and I said, yes, I'm a real priest. And then to my astonishment, he said, I'm going to a bar right now. You should come join me. And I politely declined and told him that I needed to get back home because I had mass at 8 in the morning the next day at Assumption over in Morgantown. Now with that, the guy stopped walking. And he just stood there and he looked down at his feet. So I turned around and he said, I really need to start going to Mass again. It's been a while, but I know I need to go to Mass. When is Mass here? And thankfully, I know when Mass times are at LSU, so I told him the times and even recommended that he try to go to the Sunday evening Mass at 8 because that's the Mass that most of the students go to. And then he said, you're right, I need to go to Mass because Jesus loves me and he wants to see me. And then he shook my hand, he told me thank you for talking to him, then he went on his own way. Now, I don't know if he made it to Mass or not. I said a prayer for him Sunday afternoon in hopes that he would remember and have that interior courage to go. It's unlikely I'll ever see him again, but I hope that taking those few minutes to speak to a stranger was enough to get him to go to back to church. Now, we make religion into such a complicated thing, but it's not. All of you have the power to affect the lives of those around you. Every single person in this room is facing something tough right now. Some of us are facing more than others. Christ is calling all of us this morning 
to share his love with those around us. But it will be up to us if we're going to respond to that call. How can each of us share the love of Christ with our friends, our family, maybe even strangers today? Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.